This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Patterson Program, where you'll learn how to improve your health from the inside out. And now, your host, Clint Patterson. Well, today we've got one of our fabulous guests back on the show for a two-year update, almost to the day. And I think it's really important to get some of our guests back on the show, maybe a year or two later, so that we can show that not only have people been able to continue to thrive with their um, Patterson program, but also in many cases improve even further. Because you see a lot of testimonials online for meat-inclusive diets and these other approaches, and it can be enticing to think, well, maybe there's another way. But what we don't see from these kind of online testimonials for other approaches that include food products that we know from a science point of view don't help us is that these results can be fleeting. And so it's really important to get guests back on our show and say, hey, here's someone a year or even two years later, and they're thriving, they're doing great so that these results aren't fleeting. These are lifestyle choices that can help keep us well for very long periods of time. So today we've got Katie back on the show. Welcome, Katie. Hi, Clint. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great thrill to have you back. And you and I haven't spoken face-to-face since last time we, uh, we did our first recording. But of course, we've been in constant contact, I would say, most days um, inside Patterson Program Support, where you not only um, you know, post your own updates, but you support other people and, and share your inspirational uh, progress. And so today, uh, I just wanted to, to recap where you're at a couple of years ago, and then we'll move forward and talk about all the things that you've done since then, because there's certainly a, a long list of activities and accolades that you have uh, in your cap since two years ago. So it's pretty exciting. So um, first, if anyone hasn't watched the first episode with Katie, go back and uh, check that out at your leisure. It's a fabulous conversation that we had and very moving because Katie, you had you were diagnosed with juvenile idiopathic arthritis when you were as, as young as, as 12 months old or even 10 months old. So why don't, just for the people who are just seeing you for the first time here, can you just go through your story really quickly in a bullet point format before we go any further because it is I mean the next few minutes as you go through this people are going to be like you're kidding me you really went through all that so let's <laughs> let's hear that summary of um of kind of what you went through and and where you were at last time we spoke yeah so throughout this journey this healing journey I've really been learning a lot more about myself and a lot more um, about how I actually got the arthritis. There's been a lot of, you know, a lot of ifs and buts and stuff. Um, So I've got a lot of good facts from my mom who's written down a lot of notes and stuff. And so my story, of course, starts off really young. Um, So I was born healthy. And then at two months old, I had my first ear infection. And they put me on antibiotics for the ear infection. And then a couple months after that, I had another ear infection. And they get put me on more antibiotics. And then a month after that, I had another ear infection. And they put me on more antibiotics. And then a month after that, I got my first RA symptom of a swollen ankle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was at 10 months old. Mm-hmm. And then I had another ear infection. And they gave me more antibiotics. And then a week after that, I got my first, my swollen left elbow, which later became dislocated. And then I got a viral infection like a month after that. And so I was like, had a fever and like blisters in my mouth and all this stuff. And so they put me on more antibiotics again. Mm. Um, And then so January, January 1992, was when I was officially diagnosed with JRA. Mm. Um, so that's a month before my birthday. Mm. Um, and so they put me on a bunch of baby aspirin, prednisone, plant 
And then they ended up overdosing me a little bit on the baby aspirin uh, because I was just in so much pain. They just kept upping the dose to the point where it ruptured my eardrum and I got a bloody eardrum and another ear ear stuff. So yeah, so basically I was on those drugs until I was five. Um, I couldn't walk on my own until I was about four years old. So then at five years old, they put me on methotrexate. They took me off all the, the prednisone and all that. And then, and then at 10 years old, they switched me to Embrel, and, which is biologic. And so for the first two years, I was tapering off of the methotrexate. So I was actually taking both the methotrexate and the Embrel mm-hmm. together. So I was injecting myself about three times a week in my leg, uh, either leg. And, um, so yeah, I was doing that and I was homeschooled most of my life. I've had 12 surgeries. Uh, most of them, my eye surgeries, I have glaucoma, uveitis, which is a side effect of the rheumatoid arthritis. Um, and just grew up with a lot of stiffness, a lot of pain, a lot of loneliness, um, just a lot of confusion, you know, the, um, the whole deal. Mm-hmm. So then what really started to me going downhill was when I started my first job uh, in 2010, because, of course, I wasn't used to being on my feet for long periods of time. So it just got to the point where 2012, my doctor put me on Vicodin um, because the pain just got the pain was just way I couldn't manage life without it. And so at the time it was very helpful and I started out with just like two pills a day and but of course your body gets used to it and so I had to up it and up it and up it so by 2016 uh I was taking roughly between four and eight Vicodins a day uh for the pain and so yeah I would uh, and it just it got to the point where you know my constipation was really bad um I was getting depression, I was getting a suicide, whatever, um, stuff that I didn't even realize. I didn't really realize what it was doing to me at the time because it just, it just kind of sneaks up on you. And then, so the end of 2016 is when I just was kind of like, okay, this is it. Like I have to figure something out. Like I can't live my rest, the rest of my life like this. And, uh, so then I found you and, um, watched your TED talk. And then I was like, okay, this guy's legit. Like he has arthritis. Like, you know, this is the real thing. So I remember the night before I had a big case of red velvet cake and I was like, this is probably going to be my last time I'm going to eat this. And it's true. It is the last time I ate that. Um, But, oh man, yeah, it's been a life, it's been a life changer. My, you know, um, and that's kind of where we left off um at the last podcast yeah, i think um i think you'd made some uh, i think we were 12 months in after you'd started the program when we spoke i think you'd made some tremendous improvements by changing your diet and also going to bikram yoga i think you'd been able to reduce some of the um vicodin i think your joint symptoms were yeah and yeah. i think your joint symptoms were tremendously better than what they had been previously with your range of motion and stuff. Is all that correct? Yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. Okay. So, and I think that we're probably not doing justice to some of other improvements and, uh, and it's all there in the other podcast, uh, for people to listen to. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to go from that point and look at where you've come in the last two years. You've, I provided me with a little uh, summary here of some of the bullet points to help me, you know, with the agenda here um, and not to not to act as a spoiler, but just to get people excited. Uh, we're going to talk about how you went. You've been able to taper Enbrel. So let's talk about tapering Enbrel and what that experience has been like. You've competed in yoga competitions. You've given a presentation in the UK and also locally. Uh, in your um, town of uh, now, where are you at again? You're in um, oh, uh, Portland, Oregon, aren't you? Yes. And, and then uh, we're going to talk about you had to have knee surgery because your left one of your knees was just extraordinarily uh, damaged, and um, we'll talk about that. So we'll talk about what the experience was like having a knee replacement surgery, 
and expanding foods on the program and also this procedure of rolfing and what that experience is like and how that's helped you. So where do we want to start here? Uh, let's, uh, why don't we, um, you want to pick one and, uh, and run with one of those? Well, I think uh, the tapering off of the Vicodin and the Embrel, because yeah. that's what happened really, what happened next. Okay. Um, you know, so I started tapering off the Vicodin. I, so in October, I was officially off the Vicodin. October 2017, mm-hmm. my pain levels had dropped consistently. So, yeah. And then I gave my first talk, um, was also in October. Um, mm-hmm. I shared my story for the first time, mm-hmm. um, which was exciting. And then, um, and then just today, last year was when I started tapering off the umbrella. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, so I was doing once an injection, 50 milligrams a week. So one shot per week, um, is what I've been doing since I was 10 years old. Right. And then, so I started spacing it from once a week to every once every other week, um, with my doctor's permission and all that. And then, so I started doing that for three months. And then the next three months, it was every two weeks. And then the, for the next three months. So then the next time was every th- once every three weeks. And then right now, currently, I'm at just once a month. Wow. <laughs> and off the bike. <laughs> okay. So let's, the, the Enbrel stuff's fascinating. And let me tell you why it's extremely fascinating is because it's so uncommon. It is just so uncommon to taper off and get off these biologic drugs. I mean, it's so uncommon that uh, like doctors really don't necessarily have a plan for how to do this because it's not something that, that happens enough to develop a plan for. So I'm interested about it, what, whether your doctor gave you warnings about whether or not you might, for example, develop antibodies against the Enbrel by taking it so infrequently that your body then uh, experiences a shift and can become almost uh, antagonistic towards the drug. Were there any warnings about tapering the Enbrel? What did the doctor say and so on? Uh, he, he didn't really tell me any, like, warnings. Him, like, he just said that he doesn't prefer it and he doesn't like tapering people off. Um, he did say because it can, because once you get off of it, it can come back and then you have the possibility of it not working again or so, or it getting worse or something like that. But yeah, he didn't say too much. He just said that he really doesn't like it, but he also noticed that he also respects my opinion, which I really appreciate. And so, yeah, he's been pretty, he's been pretty with on board. You know, I mean, he always says, you're still on that special diet. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, I want you to ask him next time you go and see him, how often does he see people tapering off Enbrel and how common is it to be doing this? Because I expect him to say that you're his first. I really do. I expect him to. Probably. <laughs> Um, and it's quite funny because, uh, you know, that'll be a, that'll be a nice moment. Now we know that, uh, we know that it's not all like rainbows and and unicorns and stuff coming off these drugs and, and so on. So at times, have you sensed the feeling of less support or less protection that the drug gives you when you've been expanding your foods or maybe you skip a couple of days of exercise do you feel more exposed? To be honest, not really. I haven't really felt any like bad side effects from tapering or, you know, I actually feel better. <laughs> I have more energy like and it's like, you know, because I, I hit I mean, I've been in I mean, I've been poking myself for 17 years, you know, and it's just it's such a relief to just only take it once a month. It's like it's so nice. Yeah, I just, it feels great. I feel good and I do a bunch of Bikram, you know, basically every day. You know, and I'm doing a lot of home exercises as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, <laughs> this, that's, and what you just said cannot be 
understated enough or emphasized enough, I should say, doing something like Bikram Yoga every day is the kind of thing that is normally necessary to take away an enormous medication or to to drop it by a quarter effectively as what you've done when you've been dependent on it for your entire life, especially after getting off all those Vicodins, which I'll also question you about in a second. So I think the, we'll talk about your yoga in a second. We'll give that a whole uh, own section. But um, I think to conclude the enbrel tapering sort of, sort of component, you can't just decide one day, okay, I'm just going to get off this, this big biologic drug and, you know, I'm eating well, and so I'm just going to eat well and get off my drug. That just doesn't work. You've got to have everything in place. You've got to have your exercise dialed into a 10 out of 10, and your diet has to be sensational and probably have been sensational for a long period of time, just as yours was. You were two years, because two, it was two years into the diet that you began approximately, I believe, to, to start to taper the end rule. Maybe a year and a half, but you've put yeah. in you've put in the long, long, long months, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you also have to have the mindset that if pain does start to come back, that you're ready and prepared to deal with that. Whether that be switch back just to more baseline eating, or whether it be go to yoga or whatever exercise choice uh, people have, and do it like every day and be absolutely, really, really um, determined to do that every day. Because without the right. med, you got to have something in there to take up that inflammation. Right. Well, there has been, you know, because there's been times when, like, I went on a hike with my nephews, um, and it was a couple miles, and um, and then I, when I came back, I was limping, and then like the next morning, I was still limping. Um, but I just on those days, I went to the earliest Bikram class available, and I would just lay down on my mat throughout the entire series and I would do the floor series because I it was hard to do the standing and I just just being in the hot room was a miracle was great for me mm. um and then within a couple days I mean within the next day or so like I was up on my feet again and perfectly perfectly normal so yeah the big room is definitely keeps me keeps me going <laughs> yeah, I have a a, a, um, a little bit of a pipe dream that may come into fruition in the next 12 months, which is that I am thinking about having people come and stay near where my family and I are going to be living in Florida in just a, just a few weeks from when we're recording this. So from July 2019, it'll be uh, onwards, we're going to be living in Florida for a period of time. And I have a thought about you know, it's where we live is a it's a holiday location, right? So we're in a we're in sort of South Florida, right near the beach, and uh, it's a place that people come on vacation in the U.S., especially during the summer months of you know July and and August and so on. And so I've had the idea that people can come stay at an Airbnb just near where where we live and uh, come with me each day to Bikram, get the get the sort of get the feeling of um, of team that we can have by having a few people at a time to Bikram every day, get green juices afterwards, spend the rest of the day just chilling out on the beach, increasing vitamin D, talking about plans with foods to improve uh, eating. And and I think that that as a kind of, you know, unique style of, of health retreat where we're all doing our own thing, but we meet each day and we get things done and we improve and we, and we share ideas and stuff. Uh, maybe something I, I might be looking at. So, and the point of saying all that is um, maybe to get a little feedback. If anyone's listening or watching, that'd be interested in participating in that. Um, certainly, shoot me an email. But the other point of it is that part of the core foundation of that is that it facilitates daily Bikram yoga. Okay, so you know you sometimes have to travel to get the best possible physical activity into your life. I've recommended to some people who are really struggling and they say, look, I'm doing the diet. I've taken some of these supplements to help, but this isn't working. And I say, what exercise do you do? Oh, it's difficult because of this, that, and the other. Like seriously, um, pull some dollars together, go on a holiday where you can go to Bikram Yoga every day. Because if anyone ever is an example of what it can do, it's you. And so let's just move. Let, let's, 
We'll come back to the Vicodin perhaps if we have time, because you got off that just by doing all the same sort of things that helped you get off the Enbrel and the uh, and the um, Vicodin, the same sort of thing. So let's talk about your yoga, because you've taken it to a whole new level since we last communicated. Talk about what you've done on a yoga front, uh, your competitions, your uh, uh, the help you've received and all the friendships that you've made at your studio and so on. Yeah. Um so yeah, I've, I basically go six to seven days a week. And then in about September 2017, I started training for the USA yoga competition. And so that's when I started learning how to do wall walks and started the lunges and all that, all those exercises. And then, um, and so I competed in March, that was the first, the regional competition. And of course, that was extremely scary for me. Um, but it was good. It was good in the way that like, my, my reasons for competing was because I know, I know that I have a lot of insecurities about, about my body, about uh, how I look. Um, and so I knew that, and I've, and I've always wanted to, um, I've always wanted to improve that, but I didn't, I didn't know how. Um, and so I, I'm using this competition to work through, work through those insecurities because it forces me to, you know, you stand on a stage for three minutes of silence in front of three judges with a spotlight on you. And it's very intimidating. And, um, but it also, it gives me a chance to just show who I am and show myself and to uh to show my progress and and to be with the friends you know it's a it's a really special community and like I remember that few minutes before I got on um I was super like shaky and nervous and one of the other competitors came up to me and she gave me a hug and we took a picture together and and then I just got up on stage and I was just so like so much more relaxed just because of that, you know. And um, and so, yeah, I have made many great friendships with yogi people and just watching them go on stage is just so inspiring. Like I was just staring at them like in awe, just like, oh, my gosh, like <laughs> and then. Well, before you move on, did you feel that sense of accomplishment after you did that? Uh, and achieved what you had hoped to achieve with overcoming that fear of self-image? Absolutely. I mean, I'm still working through it. You know, I'm still struggling. <laughs> but um, but it's it's every day it's, you know, I'm working through it. And um, every time I go on stage, it gets a little better. Like compared to this year, this year's competition was like night and day difference compared to my first time. Um, I was so much more confident and so much more excited and just light and happy. And, you know, then, you know, and I also have gotten a lot of help from, you know, from like Kim Tain, who is my coach and Joseph Insinia and, um, lately Isak Garcia, um, you know, and so having all of their help has just been tremendous <laughs> and yeah. Mm. They say that we. We rise to the expectations of our peers. And so when you're surrounding yourself with with yoga champions that you just mentioned and people who have really uh, taken this sort of uh, physical expression or um, exercise format to the highest level and they look towards you and they expect more of you, um, we really respond to that. It, it's like this... Imp uh, incredible powerful magnet that pulls our performance forward it doesn't even feel like we're working at it and and the and the the, the conquering of the fear i've got to say this has just been just so impressive to watch i'm i was watching the video of you on stage the first time and i'm like this girl is special to go on stage and to clearly have some challenges physically that the other competitors haven't got, whether it be an extended limb here or just whether it be the experience and the, and the years of practicing there. But 
I was so impressed. I mean, you've impressed me so many different ways, but when I saw that, it was like a, it was like an order of magnitude more. And I showed Melissa, she's like, wow, she's so brave. So, <laughs> it, you know, it takes a special person and, and I don't know how I'd feel to go on stage and, and do some various postures. And I've done over a thousand classes because, uh, you know, it's, it's intimidating. It's intimidating. And, the interesting, I can draw a parallel to wanting to conquer that kind of fear or that kind of limiting belief we have in our life by how I began stand-up comedy. I never wanted to do that as a job, as a profession. I didn't even want to get on stage. I did it because I was terrified of public speaking, and that's how it began. I thought, I've got this awful fear. How can I conquer this fear of giving presentations in the corporate world? because I was young and having to give lots of presentations to people much older and with much more experience and knowledge than me. And so I chose sort of diving in at the deep end and trying stand-up comedy, and that's how it began. It had no, it was not an aspirational thing at all. It was purely a, uh, I need to sort out my fear here. And I see that in what you've done here, and it's just makes me, uh, makes me feel really, really, uh, you know, just a lot of awe with what you've done. And I also, what I have observed as well, if I may, with watching you evolve over the last few years and mature, I want to say, and build confidence also, is this friendship group that you've got at your yoga studio. Is it fair to say that they pretty much have become your your closest team, your closest friends, and basically building your social foundation absolutely yeah you know they being just i mean because they see me every day basically you know they see me they see me on the good days the bad days the days i can't walk or the days i limp the days they see it all you know and my my everyday teachers you know i love each and every one of them um they basically they are a part of why i keep going you know, it's like there's some days when I wake up and I'm like, do I really want to go? And then I check the schedule and I say, oh, like so-and-so's teaching. I'll go. I'll go. You know, like <laughs> um, there's every single one of them. And yeah, each of the other students, they've, they've become my family, basically. You know, like when I first started going, I couldn't even get undressed or dress myself in the dressing room with the other ladies. Um, I was just so self-conscious and I just, you know, I would go in the bathroom and I would change, um, because I didn't want people looking at me and, you know, but over time, just slowly, but surely, um, now I'm, it's okay. Like I dress and I undress and it's normal. It's a normal part of my life now. Um, and it's just, there's just so much love and so much, um, uh, understanding, compassion. Yeah. I yeah. would not be where I am without them. <laughs> yes. And whilst a lot of our audience might not be able to access a Bikram Yoga Studio, I think that the, the message is still a powerful one. Um, if people are trying to implement this in their life, find yourself people who you can connect with and who you can surround yourself with frequently who share your common belief system and the same goals or desires that you have, or at least believe that you can achieve them because the power of community and, you know, sh show me someone's friends and I'll show you that person or birds of a feather flock together, however you want to wrap this up. Um, the people you surround yourself with influence your outcome more than anything because they will keep you on track. They will encourage you and remind you to keep eating the foods or encourage you and, and say it's it's working for you and keep you on track. So uh, I love that. I love how you've shared that because um, it's such it's such a powerful community that you've got around you. And I want to thank all of them uh, because they've helped you get to where you are. So uh, what a great team. Yeah, yeah. And it, like, and, you know, I've watched, you know, a lot when at the beginning, like there was things postures I couldn't do at the time, but I would just keep watching them and just, and they inspired me. And so, you know, and they always said, you know, like I have, 
like Isak always says, like you're limitless. Like, you know, like you, you know, you can do anything you put your mind to basically, you know, and just having that kind of support and that kind of like, you know, if you can dream it, you can do it kind of thing, Hmm. you know, it's, is so uplifting. And so like, you know, it, it, it keeps me going, you know, it keeps my hope up, you know? Oh, yes. And then you went and went on a retreat as well and spent some time with Joseph and Sinia, who was a guest on, on our podcast in one of the earlier episodes. Uh, another great episode to go and listen to if you're looking for some of the back catalogue to uh, to catch up on. Uh, tell us about that experience, and I think you also have a uh, little uh, uh, skill that you've developed as well by spending some time with Joseph. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I first met Joseph. So I've been wanting to meet Joseph since I started Bikram Yoga. Like that's one of my dreams is to meet Joseph. And so in September 2018, I. Took, I bought a plane ticket to California to go and meet him in California. Um, he was doing a two-day workshop. And like I felt like this instant connection with him from the second he walked in the door. And then so then later on, I saw the opportunity to he does a yoga retreat in Costa Rica. And so I was like, oh, like I have to, I have to do everything I can to go to that. And uh and so I did. And he, oh, it was just the most magical week. Like it was like six days in the warm sun every day, Bikram every day with him. Like, you know, and there's like, there's one day that he did the Bikram class with us. Like he, he actually did, did it with us. And it was during um, full locust and he reached out and he was next to me and he put both arms out and like, so we connected our arms together as we lifted each other up, you know, and it was just such a cool, like, it was just such a special, I mean, there's just something so special about practicing Bikram with someone who, who's been through it, you've been through, you know? Yeah. Um, as a, it, just as a quick reminder to folks who not maybe familiar with him, um, he's had uh, uh, developed rheumatoid arthritis in his teenage years and uh, has used Bikram yoga as his primary method to stay off medications, actually get him off medications and stay off them for uh, well over 10 years, if I'm not not mistaken. So, I mean, he's another example of someone who's really embraced this particular format of, of exercise uh, to get maximum results. Yeah, and like they um, they arranged my food for the whole week. They made sure there was no oils. It was all it was all vegan, um, which is very very. They did a great job with that, and mm. um, yeah, I just had and the people, the other yogis that came were, um, I became friends with them, and mm. uh, it was just it was really fun. Like he took he took me out on his little moped, and we went out to the beach and. We went to, to the shops and yeah, it was it was a great week. Um, does does he do it every year? Is it something that you'd recommend that people look up to go and attend themselves? Yeah, definitely. I think he does it every year. He's did it. He did it the year before that and the year before mm. that. So mm. yeah, and he, and I met his wife and his wife is so beautiful. Um, they're just perfect for each other and and so spending time with her was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well. That yeah, a huge plug for that. Then, if uh, you know, I I mentioned before about coming to Florida and uh, hanging with me for a couple of weeks and uh, and going to yoga each day. Well, he's a world champion. Uh, you you couldn't do much better than going to Costa Rica and the experience and going to take his class every day. Another wonderful opportunity to to really improve your health. Almost guaranteed. You're going to walk out of that six days with better health than what you did when you went there. I, I, you can't say that with many retreats or experiences or these getaways, but you could almost guarantee that, couldn't you, that after six days you're going to have a better body leaving that place. <laughs> yeah, and what I liked about it is it wasn't just it wasn't just Bikram all day. It wasn't just yoga all day. Like we took yeah. trips out. We took trips out and we did like uh, zip lining. Um, other people did surfing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Super it was fun. Really fun. It was. It was. Yeah, so it wasn't fun. just all about hey, we're, hey, we've got an objective. Let's just crank it out. It's it's fun as too, which is important. Yeah, yeah. 
You've given a couple of presentations. You mentioned one earlier. You went to the UK and gave a presentation in the Isle of Man. Was this the first time traveling outside of the US? Uh, no, I had been to the Netherlands. Okay. I went to the uh, um, 2016, I, 16, I think. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was, so it's my second time out. But yeah, it was kind of because I remember messaging Jackie and saying like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I came over? And and then it just sort of happened. And, um, and then Andy graciously let me stay with him for a couple of weeks in Oxford. Um, and then I took some big from classes with him. And that was amazing. He's super inspirational. Just, I mean, same thing like with Joseph, like practicing with Andy was very special. And, uh, yeah. And he took me out to a bunch of places, sightseeing. And then, um, and then we went to the Isle of Man and met Jackie and her family. Uh, and I met Don and Ida and her baby. And, awesome. uh, and if people aren't <laughs> familiar, what you're basically doing is listing a whole bunch of guests that we've had on the show in the past or people who are, who are online is also part of our online support group and these are people who have become like family um and yet i haven't actually met in person any of the people you've mentioned uh, <laughs> including yourself in person but it really does feel like a, a worldwide family of people who are following a low-fat plant-based diet exercising a lot and um, supporting each other with inflammatory arthritis so um must have been cool to meet them and yeah. and give you talk so uh talk about that <laughs> yeah, so it was um so it was me and Ida Ida. Um we gave our talks and um she went first so then I went last. And yeah, it was it went a lot better than my first talk. <laughs> and I think part of it was just having them there like mm. on the sidelines. Mm. Uh was helpful for me and I just shared from my heart and uh and it went really well. And I think a lot of people learned a lot, um, which is good. Is that the uh, one that's available online? Yes, it's on your YouTube. I believe it's on your YouTube. Okay, great. Okay, excellent. So if people go to my YouTube channel, then they'll be able to uh, find that. Just going Patterson Program, Katie Presentation, I think, something like that should bring that back. Yeah, should, yeah, yeah. should bring that up. Um, well, that's... Very exciting. So two talks now, given telling your story, uh, you're becoming, and two podcasts, uh, you're becoming a little bit of a spokesperson and, and expert in this. And as we, as the years pass, I think more so and more so. Now we've talked about a lot of good stuff. Let's talk about the, the knee surgery that you had to have. Now you've had this inflammation in your body for your whole life. And you mentioned, I recall from the previous podcast, that the inflammation was never fully controlled with the embryo. And so you've always had some degree of inflammation going on, hence the need for the Vicodins. Um, and so there's always been some degree of ongoing damage to your body. And so we spoke and I suggested, I believe, it might have not been my idea, but I, I certainly was in favor of at least you going and getting an <laughs> x-ray done on your knee when you continued to complain about how sore your knee was, even in spite of all the good things you were doing. Well, when I saw that x-ray of your knee, uh, I didn't hold out much hope of being able for you to avoid a knee replacement. Uh, and not because I was much of an expert in x-rays of knees, but I think anyone who would look at that would say, oh my God, you are not going to be able to use that knee because it, it was, was terrible, bad. terrible. Was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. My doctor said it was one of the, he, he'd never seen a, knee, uh, a bone on bone that bad on yeah. someone's side. <laughs> it it was shocking. We might I might even get you to send me a picture of it, and we'll put it in the show notes of the episode. So when we put the episode out, people can go to our blog, which is pattersonprogram.com forward slash blog, and find your episode here and look at the show notes, the transcription, and see the picture. Because goodness me! And so then we talked about whether or not you should have the replacement. Um, we sent the image off to Doctor Clapper. 
Uh, and Dr. Clapper okay. came back and said, most definitely, that is a joint that has to have a knee replacement, regardless of your age. And so you went ahead and did it. Can you give us the, the what it's like having a knee replacement? <laughs> yeah, so it was at the actually my first regional competition was a week before my knee surgery. So I was in a ton of pain when I when I went to the competition. And then so uh yeah, so I had the I had the knee surgery in Mar in March. And um you know, the first the first few days after the surgery, I was on so much drugs. Like I, I don't remember half of, <laughs> I don't remember half of what happened the first couple days, um, just because of uh, all the drugs. And uh, they had me on heavy, heavy opiates, not Vicodin, but the oxycodone for the pain. And it was one of the worst the most painful experiences I've experienced uh, in a long time. And um, it, it was hard because I had to keep moving it. I had to keep exercising it, even mm. though it was in pain, even though I really mm. didn't want to. But it was mm. very important that I had to do these exercises that the therapist gave me for the need to, to not get stuck and so the recovery was really difficult and I actually lost a lot of weight um, because the, the opiates were making me super nauseous. Um, so I would, I would puke <laughs> all the time. Um, and so, yeah, there, it was just, uh, it was just hard. And, uh, but two weeks, two weeks after the surgery, I went back to Bikram yoga. They told me I could go back and I used a chair. I had to use a chair. I couldn't stand for more than like five seconds at a time. Um, I had to take multiple breaks. It was like starting over. It was basically like starting from scratch mm -hmm. um, because it changed everything. I mean, having a new knee, just like it changed, it changed the way I walked. It changed everything. And so I just had to kind of reteach myself <laughs> how to do everything. Um, but it was so much better. Like, I mean, I'm very thankful that I had it and, uh, it's doing a lot better now. I mean, the scar is basically gone. It's healed. Mm. Um, for those of us, including myself, who at some point in the future may have to have one done, uh, I'm, I'm quite interested in just your sort of fours and against what would be the fours now with the hindsight being able to look back and then the against. I think, well, the biggest thing is I wish I knew how much work it was actually going to be. Yeah. I figured, I figured once the surgery was after the surgery, I thought that my leg, I thought that our, my knee would be able to go all the way bent right. and all the way straight, like right away. Um, that was definitely not the case. Um, I had to work extremely hard every single day to get my knee straight and to get it. I mean, it's still not where I want it to be today, but it's getting there slowly, but surely, you know, um, it's, it's bending more and it's definitely straighter than it was. My goodness. I mean, before surgery, it was completely off the ground. My knee, it could not straighten at all, but now it can go completely straight. Right. So there's a, uh, the warning is that don't expect a miracle. You'll have to put in an enormous amount of effort to get the result that you're hoping for. If you're starting with a knee that maybe like yours was, was very, very bad and maybe all the connective tissue around it had not straightened or had not gone into complete flexion for many, many years because of the limitations of the joint. So, it's like just starting another chapter, not really the end of the problem. It's just a new chapter when you get the new knee and there's still a lot of work to do. Yeah, yeah. And it's definitely new muscles like, you know, before surgery, like my left leg basically took a lot of the weight and my other leg um, yep. took a lot of the weight. Um, and so learning how to uh, build up the muscles in my, in my new leg, um, because now that my knee is able to work and function better, it can strengthen better. And the, um, you know, and so really I found a lot of new muscles and 
working really hard at strengthening mm. all that. I remember the images that you sent through because you were sharing some very graphic images of that knee just days after. It might have been day three or four when you gained some sort of consciousness. And I mean, it looked like some kind of sort of something out of the alien film or something. I mean, it was oh. really bruised. It was so swollen and the scarring and the, I mean, it was really, really unpleasant to look at. So I can well, only imagine. They, the doctors, the doctors put like this tourniquet thing, you know, for the surgery, they had to put a tourniquet around my leg to stop the bleeding. And so they like, tight it like super tight so then when they released it everything just exploded like my whole leg was just like it was like a huge and it, it was soft like it was like you could push down on it and it was just oh it's just gross and I was like and it did it freaked me out like I was like what I'm like is this gonna like blow up to how big like you know and uh, yeah <laughs> it went down but yeah, it was a little scary. I did have some very uh, emotional moments. <laughs> mm, mm. Oh boy, it was a, uh, it was a, it was not a poster that you would use to advertise knee surgery. Uh, it looked horrible. But I guess uh, you know, amazing what a recovery the body can make. It's amazing that you've now got it to where it is now, because uh, it looks so bad. And what a testimonial to uh, the body being able to, to heal itself. It's incredible. As we uh, come towards the end here, I just want to now touch upon um, some of the other exercises that you're doing and whether or not you think that would be helpful for other people if they're um, unable to do Bikram yoga or if they just want some, some, some things to do in parallel. Uh, can you talk about yin yoga, hot Pilates, and your experience with those and also uh, I want then your ideas around rolfing and this, and whether or not you feel that that's been helpful. Okay, yeah. Um, so for the first few months, I was Bikram only, you know, for the first like half half the year. And then slowly I started getting into yin yoga. And that has really, um, for those of you who don't exactly know, it's about opening your connective tissue and, and stretching your connective. So it's very slow. It's um, It's in a heated room, but not, not hot, hot, but just regular. Um, and that's really helped um, my flexibility and just um, expanding, I don't know how to say it, um, expanding my, um, my muscles. Like, mm -hmm. Range of Yeah, yeah. And like my hamstrings, my hamstrings used to be super, super tight. But with the yin yoga, it's really helped uh, stretch those hamstrings out. Um, and I do yin yoga about two to three, two times a week, roughly. And uh, yeah, it's just super relaxing. And I think it's a great complex. A lot of the times I do Bikram and then I take Ian class right afterwards. Mm. And I find the combination is just perfect. So you do the Bikram and then you can just relax. Yeah. And, you know, and it's always nice music, like it's calming music. And like I have my favorite Ian teachers and yeah, um, yeah I definitely think it's a great, a great compliment to yoga and uh, um, to Bikram and that people with arthritis. I mean, it's definitely helped me. So it's a world apart from Bikram. I mean, I used like if I I was just I would you know never enjoy and still never enjoy Bikram. Um, but Yin just feels just like this pure bliss because you just you know to put it simply, you basically get into a position on the floor. And you just stay there for five minutes while you let a muscle stretch and then you move on to another position. It's, I mean, it's very light. Um, I wouldn't say yeah. that it's a pain relieving class. If we're talking about trying to get out of a high state of inflammation, it's not the class. But uh, if you've got another form of exercise that plays that role, then yin can be wonderful in terms of doing what you said and also just giving us this escape from the day-to-day -day grind of life, a very sort of soothing class that can certainly, I'm sure, act as a, uh, a form of meditation or at least stress reduction. Yeah, definitely. Uh, tell us about Pilates. Yeah, um, so I don't do too much currently um, just because I have so much going on. <laughs> um, but uh, 
but yeah, the, the Pilates is really, um, it's, it's more strengthening. Um, it's more of a strengthening class. Um, so like your upper body, your core, your, your arms. So it's, it's more high intensity. It's, um, usually it's put up to, um, like, uh, workout music. Um, and a lot of like, so we do a lot of planks. There's a lot of planks and, um, glute bridges and, uh, squats. And it's really fun. It's like an hour long, but I didn't start doing that until I, until after my knee surgery really was when I really Mm -hmm. started getting into it. Mm -hmm. And it really helped. It really helped strengthen my, my quads and my new knee. It really helps strengthen those. And, uh, and yeah, it's just a, I find it just a fun, it's a fun class hmm. and it, it, it does help. But, um, hmm. I think, I think it's more on the advanced side, yeah. like for, for, for us, you know, it's more, it, I wouldn't recommend it for someone, you know, who has a ton of inflammation and stuff. Yeah. Yep. Uh, something we've never talked about on this, uh, on this uh, podcast ever is this, uh, therapy called rolfing. Can you tell us in just a, a couple of minutes what your experience has been like with it and what it is? <laughs> yeah, so I started rolfing in November 2018 and basically it's like it's like a massage but it's like 10 times more intense. <laughs> basically it works on creating more space in your body to move to move more freely. And so my the main goal that me and my role for Jake put together is that he just wants me to be able to move to move more freely and without pain. And so so he works so it it starts off with a series of 10 sessions and then so he works on different areas of your body for each one and then after that it's just kind of where you feel you need where you need work on. And so he does a lot of work on my feet. My ankles um, have definitely um, improved its range of motion going back and forth and up and down. And I just feel it it feels like there's more space in my body, um, especially like in my hips and in my knees. Um, And one of the things that I really realized is that he, he talks about is how like when you have issues with your knees, it's not just your knees, it's your hips and your feet and your knees are kind of like the middle, you know, they're kind of in the middle stuck here. And so they get a lot of the brunt, they get uh, the brunt of the stuff. So if you can work, but if, so if your he- if your feet and your hips are out of line, it most likely means that your knees are going to be painful. Yeah. I just think. Recent episode with Carl Reader, we talked about this exact concept, which is the knees just like a a uh, a carriage on a railway track that can just move back and forth, you know, in a up and down kind of motion, and it's susceptible to what's going on above it and below it, exactly like you've described. So, mm. you know, from an observation viewpoint, when you've provided updates in the support group and you've said hey i have um, done another rolfing session um you know they've always been positive you've always had good experiences from this and to the point where as i mentioned to you i explored it for myself and found uh someone who does this procedure uh in sydney there's a couple on the northern beaches where we we are at the moment and uh yes i intend at some point to uh to have a couple of sessions myself so it's spelled R O L F I N G. So it's like golfing, um, but with an R. So if anyone's interested, yeah. I actually recommend it based entirely on your updates, uh, Katie, because, um, you know, you wouldn't be wasting your money on a procedure unless you found it beneficial. So I'd love for people to go and try it and to send through some feedback uh, via email. Uh, I've just heard I've just heard the car pull up, which is uh, a signal to me that things are about to get very loud here in the house as the whole family's just come home. We wanted to talk about your food expansion before we wrap up, and we can go ahead and do that. Um, but before it gets a little dis- little distraction here behind me, people should definitely follow you on Instagram. Your posts of your back bends 
your foods, uh, your your yoga classes that you take. Uh, you really do capture snapshots of your day to day life, living with the aim to you know have the healthiest possible body, it, really well. And uh, it's a fascinating you know Instagram account. So what is it? So everyone can go follow you. Uh, it's Hugen dot three. So it's it's the first like six letters of my last name, and then dot, and then three. Okay, so you might want to spell that out. So <laughs> H-O-O-G-E-N dot three. Okay, great. Uh, yes, yeah, so highly recommend. Go follow Katie on Instagram. It's a, you, you really don't hide anything. It's, it's all there for everyone to see. <laughs> so, so we've covered a lot. We will uh, chat briefly about your foods, but... Um, you know, we've learned a lot today from you, how you got off Anbrel, how you uh, spread the distance on your uh, injections out from weekly through and now out to four weekly, how you, you got off the Vicodin using, you know, the foods that we all know and love and, and your beloved Bikram yoga. And uh, you've attended yoga competitions, you've given presentations locally in your town and also in the UK. Uh, you've undergone knee surgery and recovered from that. And um, it's uh, it's been and quite a ride. Sur- What's the that? Eye surgery was in, the eye surgery was in April. And and eye surgery as well. So you've been through a ton, uh, and you're still smiling, and you're still inspiring many. So can you tell us just about your uh, your foods before we wrap up? Are you still on like basic baseline foods? Are you now able to eat some other things? So no, I've started expanding a little bit. So basically, I mean. Right now, I've started to introduce a little bit of nuts every day, and I'm also, let's see, um, I'm eating black beans, black beans, um, and I make a really good, my favorite meal right now is I make a black bean soup, and then I make basmati rice, and then I mix it together, and I put salsa on it. I can have tomatoes now. I was scared to try tomatoes because I heard a lot of people have bad reactions. But no, I can have tomatoes, so I mix it with my salsa. And it's just, it's really, it's my favorite Mm. meal. And then for dessert, like I can have dates now. So I make like a chocolate cupcake with dates and I can have oats and apples. So I make like this oat pear thing that Jackie actually made for me. And then I made it. Yeah, I'm really happy with my diet. I, mm. I love I love the food that I eat and it keeps me energized. It keeps me, you know, I'm, mm. yeah. That's great. Uh, and, and so the, the greater message here is that whilst in the past you had to stay on a really strict, simple set of foods to keep the pain low, now you're able to eat a much more diverse diet, albeit still restricted, but it now doesn't feel like, you're really missing out on some of the real staples, like the oats are key, the rice is key. You know, being able to eat oats, rice, and then being able to eat some root vegetables and stuff, you really have the foundations in place with your leafy greens and fruits. I mean, we really have a healthy diet there, even though it's simple. Uh, and now getting some nuts in. I mean, you're starting to complete all of the pieces of like a of a of a ideal plant-based diet food pyramid so um it's it's sounding good it's sounding really good <laughs> yep and i i still eat the green smoothies every day and i still juice i try to juice every single day and mm-hmm. um yeah the green smoothies have been huge for me huge pain reliever huge yeah and what do you what's your favorite green smoothie combo for pain relief um the one i always go to is just baby spinach bananas and and some ice and water. You know, it's basically, sometimes I'll add oats to it, raw oats. Hmm. Okay. Um, so you'll just go, you just bananas and bananas and spinach with some ice. Yeah. Yeah. Most yeah. of the time. Yeah. 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 Nice good. and simple. <laughs> nice and simple. <laughs> well, this has been awesome. Did you want to do your little demonstration that you uh, asked about? Uh, at the? Do we have time? Yeah, we have time. Of course. We can't miss out on this. So you've got to watch on YouTube to be able to... Uh, to see this, you won't be able to get the full full benefit if you're listening to the podcast. But we're now to, now about to see Katie demonstrate. We'll talk us through this, Katie, before you do it. <laughs> okay, so this is 
I'm not sure how to, I, I still don't know how to pronounce it really, but um, it's called the Urabanda, I believe. And it's, um, it basically helps massage your internal organs. Um, so it's actually very good. It's very good for you. And I do this uh, most, most mornings. I do it before breakfast and I just do it a couple times. Um, so get the light there. So I'll walk through the people who are just listening to this. So we, we've got a set of abs here. Katie's showing us her abs and now she's sucking them in. Okay. So I'm going to, so I breathe in very quickly three times. And then the third time I'm going to breathe in and then I'm going to suck this all in. So it's kind of hard to talk, but (laughs) you just do your thing. Okay. Wow. Wow. So that is some serious ab strength to pull in the stomach like that. I mean, it makes it look like you've got a disappearing stomach. Like where would any food go? Uh, That was quite incredible. Eventually, eventually there'll just be that the strip of my abs and everything else will be sucked in around it. If you want to look, Joseph Insinia has, I think it's on YouTube, but he does it really well. He does it a lot better than me, but um, mm. yeah. I think I saw Bikram's daughter do it and then roll from one side to the other, roll her stomach from one side. Is that the same technique? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy, crazy amount of skill and dedication there. All right, Katie. Well, thanks for sharing your update today. It's been a pleasure to to see your happy face again. You always make me smile and feel good about life when I chat to you. So for folks who uh, have sat and enjoyed listening or watching you, I'm sure they'll really appreciate your level of determination and commitment to your health and to getting well and to inspiring others. So thank you. And uh, I look forward to staying in touch uh, online. All right. Thank you. I love you too. (laughs) (laughs) Bye for now. Bye. You've been listening to the Patterson Program. For more information, visit pattersonprogram.com. Thank you.